you guys know the game ended. No, I wasn't watching it. I was I was doing the very lowborn way of following the NFL.com uh, play-by-play updates. Yeah, because I don't have the streaming thing, so oh. <laughs> I was just watching um, just pass after pass be complete. Everyone scoring touchdowns and then field goals. And then when the Bills scored that last one, I thought, okay, now we can get the pot started. And the score suddenly became 36-36. I'm like, oh, okay, all right, Mahomes must <laughs> yeah. have done his thing. <laughs> yeah. I had no skin in the game. I'm like, my voice, as you can tell, is a little bit hoarse because I was just screaming. Oh, wow. Like, what the fuck? But, um, dude, you should – I mean, it was on uh, network TV. I mean, you should just get one of those Leaf antenna. Have you? Do you know what that is? It's like – I have no idea what that is. It's just like a really cheap um, – it's like a piece of paper basically that has like an antenna embedded inside of it okay and i just put it i just use that to like watch network tv and like it's free like there's like people forget there's like an hd uh broadcast system that like you can actually get you know tons of especially like playoff games you know yeah it's actually been a crazy week for sports because uh on wednesday i believe it was the tottenham leicester game yeah what happened i saw like tottenham was down Two so, one okay, and so ended we were, up. So we were down two one, and then in soccer, at least European soccer, in case people don't know, you have something called X uh, added time. So you know, in, in the, the US, time. yeah, you know, in the US, once the clock hits zero, uh, game's over. In fact, it's really funny when I see clips of say US college soccer, you have like the clock running down from like forty five minutes. That, that always messes with my mind. Anyway, so yeah, it runs up in European soccer. It runs up, right? And then after ninety minutes, it's kind of up to the ref's discretion to add in whatever time he thinks uh, was warranted because of play stoppage or whatever. So there were five minutes added, and then up until I think ninety-four minutes and like forty-five seconds, it was two-one. And Tottenham scores, and it's and it's two-two. At that point, you would think the game's over, but uh, the Tottenham players take the ball, run back to the uh, midfield, and they try to get the game started again. And then, like twenty seconds later, uh, we scored again, and that was the latest comeback <laughs> in Premier League wow. history. And the worst thing was, I turned it off at ninety-four minutes and thirty seconds because I was That's so why pissed it off. That's why it happened. <laughs> I was so pissed off because we clearly were the better team, but they were just, you know, they, they took their chances. And I was just pissed off and like I don't want to see this. And then uh, our friend uh, Q text me and he's like stevie saved us he's uh, referring to steven bergfein who scored both goals so i'm like oh wow we must have tied the game and then i try to go look for highlights <laughs> yeah. and it's like we won through the- I'm like oh my god what, what, what? And yeah but anyway <laughs> yeah well i mean just just credit it to yourself for not watching it that's why it happened All right, so welcome, listeners. Another episode of Escape from Planet for you. I'm your host, Chris, here with Teen. What's up, Teen? What's up? And for you today, uh, I think we're mainly going to talk about this Vanity Fair article that came out, uh, written by Jamila Lemieux, talking about Dave Chappelle and essentially the the undeserved monopoly that she claims straight cis black men have on just the black discourse. Uh, so that it, it's a interesting read because a lot of it parallels, sometimes mirrors Asian American uh, discussions on on similar things on like race and gender. So I think it's nice to 
for our listeners, I mean, maybe even our black listeners, uh, how many we have, you know, just to get an outsider's point of view. And just this, just a disclaimer, we're not saying we know, there are certain things we don't know, but sometimes it, it is useful to get like an outside group's view on something just to, just to see. Well, it's super helpful. Right. Yeah. I would love to hear, you know, for example, non-Asians discuss Asian American stuff, uh, like honestly, not, not, not the usual uh, boring stuff, but like, you know, what, what they really think. So, uh, but before we get that, maybe we can just run down some things that happened this week. Uh, first of all, team, what the hell is Wordle? I've seen you post this on Twitter. You seem to be into it. What yeah. is this? Like a like a, a a junior jumble kind of word thing? I don't. Yeah, kind it? of. It's uh, it's kind of like Boggler. It's just basically there's a five letter word that's the Wordle of the day, mm-hmm. and you have six guesses as to what the word is. And every time you guess, if the letter that you pick is in the word, that letter will be either one of two colors. It'll be yellow if it's in the word or it'll be green if it's both in the word and in the right position. I see. So you have six guesses and it's like this weird thing where pretty much everyone can get it within six. Mm-hmm. Like you rarely see, like I haven't missed one yet. So it's like designed to be one. Like it's not like a hard game to win, but it is, um, I don't know. It's just like this. It's like the perfect coffee game. Right. You know, it's like a mini word. It's like the tiny, tiny, tiny version of the, you know, New York Times crossword puzzle right. that you can finish within half a cup of coffee. What is the vocabulary level we're, uh, we're talking about? Are we talking about, what's an example word? Uh, uh, God, what, uh, canal. Okay, so, you know, pretty standard, probably like <laughs> it's, sixth grade level kind of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's super easy. It's a very easy, stupid game. But, but why are people so addicted to it? I think because there's only one a day and everyone's working on the same puzzle that day. And mm-hmm. it's just thing. And then the the great uh, insight was that when you're done, what it does is it gives you your results, but it doesn't reveal the word. So there's no spoilers, but it tells you like it shows you for each guess all your yellows and greens. Right. I see them all the time. I was like, what the yeah. hell is this like, cryptic uh, code that everyone's sending around to each other yeah you're it's just your results it's telling people how you did you know and it's um it's kind of perfect in a way because it's so not competitive but it also has like this vague element of you know if you get it in like two tries or three tries or something and it's just very low stakes very you know it's just it's just like the easiest thing in the world i think that's why it's popular if you have like all green does that mean you got it in like one try? yeah your last line should always be all green Okay. Yeah, because that's that's when you that's when you guessed it, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, just Google it, Wordle. I think it's fun. Uh, it'll probably sizzle out within a week, but mm-hmm. you know, it's a uh, it's great with your coffee in the morning. Yeah, coffee. Uh, uh, otherwise, how, how have you been? Any any interesting things happen in your life? No, no nothing. It's been <laughs> super boring because Omicron and st- still, I feel like things are still on hold because of that so i don't know I, I take that back i mean I'm, I'm having a lot of fun being holed up with my girlfriend and stuff but um other than that it's 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 really chill yeah my january has been really weird because i got i got a new job which will start uh at the end of the month and before i can do that i need to go to canada to get a work visa which i will do next this coming week but because of that um i pretty much have been isolating myself as much as possible because I don't want to get COVID and have to push back my flight, push back my start. It's just like, yeah, they said, we're not going to, that's not going to affect your offer or anything, but I don't want to, I don't want to 
you know, mess with that. So all of January, I've pretty much been staying in. And because of Omicron and because of the incredibly cold weather, it's already kind of no good reason to go out anyway. I don't know. This month has just been weird, especially since December was very festive, relatively speaking. Uh, you know, having people over and, and you know, going out, uh, at least until like Omicron hit. And January is just, I don't even know what I've done this month. I, I've read a lot of books. That's uh, that's productive. But I also like, I like to do writing and cafes. So I'm not going out to cafes. So I'm taking a little break from that. So it's just like, it's been a blur of a month. Yeah. I mean, so what's just, is it going to be relatively chill or are you going to be like nose to the grindstone, billing crazy? And No, it's uh, I mean, it's still a lawyer thing. job, but it's not a bill. It's, it's like a different type. I'm not like a, going to be like an associate. It's more like so. a staff type position. Uh, something right. like that. Yeah. Nice. That's yeah. the, that's the way to go, man. And I was, I was saying like, we should do um, a pod at some at some point about this lay flat thing in China, yeah. Tangping and, and and anti-work and just this concept of like working to make a living but not to strive. You know, mm-hmm. like anyway, right? So, yeah, sounds like sounds like you're pretty excited about it. Yeah, it should be it should be nice. Um, do we want to talk about this West West End West Elm Caleb thing? Yeah, I mean, it blew up on the Discord. For whatever reason, some people have been typing in West End Caleb. I, I almost said West End Caleb, but like West End, like the London theater. It's like, I should think, yeah. think if there's a West End Caleb, I don't think you'd be very interested in women. Uh, so, <laughs> but yeah, this thing, in case people don't know, a couple, I think it blew up a couple of days ago. Apparently, there's this dude named Caleb in New York City. He's a furniture designer at West End Elm, hence the name. And a bunch of women realized that they were all dating him at the same time. And he kind of had this, He, I think he's the kind of guy who, who used the same text on everyone, uh, send the same spot, Spotify playlist to everyone. And he, he has like a, a routine uh, and, a, and a go-to move. And then um, it kind of th- blew up. But then interestingly enough, uh, the tables turned. And then a lot of people, including a lot of women, thought, okay, it, it was fun kind of gossiping now people are kind of like trying to ruin his life and it's like what did he even really do he was like dating multiple people that's like totally normal in uh dating life these days so what what were your thoughts i, I saw i i didn't you know he's not it's not like a video of him right like so i've not seen a picture of this guy or i have no so i have no opinion about him um but and also like the tiktok videos like the few that were shared they were just very I, I didn't even think like they were really complaining about him. I thought that they were just sort of like seeing that West Elm Caleb was like trending and they thought, oh, this will be good for my TikTok. So I'm going to, compl-. you know, it's like, oh, yeah, for oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a lot of clout chasing bullshit. I mean, they weren't like they weren't like going on TikTok and like really grieving about what happened. They were just sort of clout chasing, in my opinion. So I, mm-hmm. I really don't care about anyone involved. Um, but I do think that there is something, and, and someone in our Discord, I assume a she, uh, was really bothered by the sort of like media, um, by media accounts of it that she thought were sort of siding, taking aside uh, Caleb's side to say like Caleb didn't really do. And I, I kind of agree Caleb didn't really do anything wrong. I mean, what are the rules here? You know what I mean? It's caveat emptor as far as I'm concerned, you know? I just sent like, you his picture. The one that's oh, you been did? going okay. around, yeah. Um, where in the in the in the signal? Oh, in the signal. Okay. Um, let's see. 
He's not even very good looking. I mean, he's like a above average looking guy. Apparently, he's like six foot four. He works a, a you know so called cool job. So you're yeah. like a white, tall, above average looking guy, college yeah. educated, working a good job. That puts you at like top 0.5 percent or something True. in New True. York City. Yeah. So True. And I think like he's he's clearly kind of a dick. I mean, that's not that's not. Uh, you know, too too controversial. But like, why is he a dick? And I think it's because like, look, man, you, you if if someone has like all this choice, you know, like you know, just swimming in it, basically, like, what do you think he's gonna do? <laughs> right. Know? There was um so, one of the TikTokers, uh, mm-hmm. the tall girl, um, yeah, whom I now kind of feel bad for because now people are like taking pictures of her face and making fun of it. Her. Mm-hmm. I'm like, let's not do that. That's 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 stupid. But, but there was one thing she said. Which, like, by the way, I the ones I've seen doing that, it's not just men doing that. In fact, a lot of women are dunking on her. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Uh, which uh, gets me to a later point. I want I want to talk about this. But anyway, she says something towards the end of uh, one of her TikToks where she's like, "The audacity of uh, mediocre white men with mustaches." And as soon as I heard that, I'm like, "Why do you think he has that audacity?" <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and. And I think this is, I think the whole ploy of this is, to, okay, we need to humble him. We need to make him undateable. Oh, well, like, I don't know if they're seriously meant, but I, I think that's kind of the, like, instinctive logic. But sure, yeah, you can cancel this guy from dating, but there's probably a hundred others like him right now, and you're all chasing after him the same way. So, of course, their egos are going to get inflated. People are generally only as good as they have to be. So, if they um, can get away with this because they get enabled by all this attention. Um, and, and you know, for sure that women do this too. Like uh, if you're a hot girl and you've got like a thousand suitors, you're going to, you know, kind of treat them dispo- like disposable because they kind of are to you. I mean, it's clearly there's a Pareto principle going on in dating where it's like a minority of men get the vast majority of attention. Yeah. Right? I think like five and- years ago, that was pure insult talk. But I, I think this especially, uh, I saw some people online being like, oh, oh damn, the insults were right all along. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, I think part of it is um, just like how wide open the like dating market is like, you know, it's it's sort of like a it's like the stock market. It's like it's like a single unified fucking market across the whole city. Like, you know, everyone's in the same market and they're that that's that's how Caleb's get their They go they go fucking meme stonk. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like he's he's probably. I think it would probably be shocking to most guys if they were to look at Caleb's app and see how much attention he gets. Oh yeah, it would probably them. be one of those things that you know, like I, I wish I didn't know that. I was, I, uh, you know, I liked my life like ten seconds before I saw that. Yeah, uh, it's like it's like looking at someone's like Robinhood app and realizing how much money they actually made on Bitcoin. <laughs> You're <laughs> yeah. like, I'm sorry, you have a one, you have one point eight million dollars. How much did you start out with? You know, like, no. uh, but. You know, I do. Th- yeah, I think that uh, part of it is that there is clearly um, a cultural bias towards particular types of guys, you know, like tall, white, uh, with a, you know, with a creative career that probably suggests that there's a little bit of family money behind it or something like, you know, something that um, there, I think there is like, uh, a type that's culturally determined, but which is not actually some indicator of like someone's like real personal compatibility, meaning like mm-hmm. everyone's chasing the same fucking guy. Right. And I, I think that's why this is 
in the end, kind of a self-owned for all these women. They are revealing that they, you know, they're, they're kind of like, they're all kind of the same, you know, whether you, you want to call them basic or whatever. Uh, speaking of, of that, like, job thing, I, I find it very telling that, do you know what Raya is? Uh, no. What okay, is so Raya is a dating app. I think in order to get into it, you need to have some, you're, you need to work in some kind of, like, creative class field. Uh, okay. And, and you, you know, you don't have to be, like, a movie star to be on it. I have friends on it who are i think kind of like work tangentially in tv or whatever mm-hmm. but it's like relatively popular in in the sense that you know i i like friends like that are in it um and i find it very telling that the one um like professional oriented app has to do with the arts like you don't hear about an app that's like only for doctors or only for architects or only for any other kind of like cushy kind of job you would think people might want to date no it's like all the people working in the arts who essentially think they're kind of like better than everyone else, which is the only real way to interpret this app. I mean, you've heard of the league, right? That app. Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, that's obviously snobby in the very traditional sense. You have to, I think, uh, have a very, I think you have an income level. Uh, I think you have a minimum attractiveness level. I don't know how to judge it. I don't want to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably some like name brand college you have to go to, but that's like very traditional. Like you would expect that kind of yeah. Like your your that. parents, you know, someone's parents might even like be like, "Hey, I approve of that." Right, yeah, right, like, yeah. But uh, yeah, I just find it very telling that in this day and age, something like Raya that that's like the professionally aspirational app, and there's none that I know of that's like, for example, like engineers or or you know. Even like athletes, I don't know. Something. Yeah. I mean, this person in our Discord who was complaining about this, I think made a good point, which was that, you know, there's a deeper problem here, which is not not really about taking either Caleb's side or necessarily the women's side, but that the dating app, the dating apps themselves have created this mess, you know? And I, I kind of see that. I think that dating apps, like Caleb is the, is, is the result, I think, of you know, dating apps becoming like a chronic part of someone's social life. Like if you think about what dating apps were meant to replace, they were meant to replace like traditional matchmaking services. And nobody used matchmaking services as, you know, hey, what am I going to do this weekend? Oh, I know. I'll go go to the matchmaker, right? But the whole point of the matchmaker was like, maybe I'll use them just a couple times and then I'll meet someone and then that'll be that. Um, but with the dating apps, it was meant, I think, initially to recreate that, but it has since become sort of this chronic thing where it's like, that is your social life now. Oh yeah, you know? for sure. And that's a perversion, I think, of the original intent of these apps. And it's created so- sort of a runaway monster, monstrous sort of culture that, you know, is like, this is the ultimate form of social media where you are, um, self-commodifying and, uh, and it's addictive for people, and I clear. I think there's going to be a huge. Hopefully, there's. This is the start of some backlash against that because I do think it's not good for people. Yeah, that um, was the bullshit with people who are criticizing. Remember that Netflix show, Indian Matchmaking? Um, no, but I, I, I gather it. I gather what the <laughs> what the topic I mean, ex- is. Yeah. It's exactly how it sounds. Except it was in America. It, it was like yeah. these. I think it was centered around like New York, New Jersey. Uh, you know, yeah. with large. South Asian populations, but people were saying, "Oh, this is so barbaric, so backwards. How can you be so uh, mercenary in looking at people's, you know, like weight, height, um, <laughs> occupation? Like, what the fuck do you think do you're, you think doing, you're on doing on the apps? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jesus uh, yeah, at least these people are 
kind of doing a more thorough process of interviewing and, and actually thinking about it. So it, yeah. it, that was bullshit. I think let's let's face it. I mean, the real problem with Indian matchmaking is that they're limiting themselves to Indian people. That's what people really hate about it. Is my is my uh, or or that it's it's based out of a, a foreign culture that yeah. we all have been taught to think of as as backwards. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I saw somebody. I think it was uh, a Q. Uh, did he change his name? Is, it, is he still yeah. known as Andre? Okay, yeah. so I, I. But we also have the Plan A Q. So that, that's yeah. why um, I want to clarify. Formerly, formerly known as uh, Andre Domis Q. Yeah, yeah. he yeah. tweeted something where it was essentially Yelp for daters. Now, I don't know how real this is because like this concept has been in the whole uh, dating app sphere for a little while, but. Um, you, yeah, you talk about commodifying yourself. There was this app that was like, now you can leave a review on whether this person was a good date or not. I'm like, that sounds like an absolute nightmare. And the thing is, though, there will be a lot of people, uh, especially women, I think, who will say oh, this is actually feminist and progressive. It protects women. I saw in the wake of the West Elm Caleb thing um, saying that, you know what, uh, gossip is actually woke uh, because it protects women. It's like, no, sharing information uh, is good for women. Gossiping is like you're just trying to justify uh, your own uh, like base desire to engage in mean girl behavior and trying to give a woke sheen to it. Like there's a difference between sharing information and gossip. The, and also the domain is too big, especially in New York City. I mean, it's just too it's too large, and you know, it's like clearly someone's going to clearly that's ripe for abuse. Like people are just going to, you know, they're going to start bombing people's. Uh, reviews even though they never went on a date with them you know, oh like- yeah for sure in fact um someone on twitter uh this was a woman also uh posted something about how in dc apparently there is uh, like a like a safe dating spreadsheet it, it's kind of like that remember that a shitty man in media list it, it was apparently like that and she was calling it out saying like there are some things there that are absolute bullshit like didn't text me after the third date or something and it's just so juvenile and it's just I, I want to read this tweet. I mean, you, I think you shared it with, with a bunch of us in The Signal. This is by Nicky Stardust. Uh, he tweeted, The essence of the pop psych slash self-care culture that has given rise to the West Elm Caleb moment is the notion that you owe nothing to anyone else, but at the same time are owed the utmost attention, care, and consideration by others, and anything short of it is cruelty. And yeah, he was spot on with that because uh, remember that TikToker I was referencing, the, the woman who I think caught the most heat um, and one of the things people picked up on was that in the beginning, she said something like she matched with this guy and she was happy, like, oh, I can add him to my arsenal. Those were her words. And people were like, wait a minute. So you put him in your rotation, but he's not allowed to put you in his. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think this gets at it. And, and people come up with all sorts of bullshit reasons to justify being like, usually on gender lines, well, he, he's a man, so he has privilege, therefore he doesn't get to do it. And, it just, and then in the end, it just comes down to a, a race and a competition being like, I get to be shitty because reasons X, Y, Z, and you don't. And it's like, that's the basis of your ideology. Like, no wonder everyone hates what we call like wokeism or, or social justice or whatever. I, I don't know how, when you started using dating apps, but like they were a bit after my time. And then I didn't use them except after uh, my divorce and then decided, hey, I guess kind of want to start dating and then that was like the first time I ever used it. And I fucking hated it. And I was very lucky because I like uh, met my girlfriend. Like it was like basically the fifth match. And I was like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> but but because in a way I knew the world before dating apps and just looking at 
the amount, the, the way that I saw dating apps consume people's attention and time was very disturbing to me because I was like, I don't know if I want to spend this much time dating. Like, I just kind of want to meet someone and and then move on, right? Like, I, I don't, it just, it seemed like people were like living at the matchmaker and the, <laughs> this, con- this, this, it's almost like it became like stock trading where I almost felt like people were more interested in dating as an indication of their own value. And it was more about, constant yeah it's about constant marking themselves to the market versus you know an actual means to an end which is to find someone to be you know to to enter a relationship with and then kind of move on with your life you know yeah i mean i was like a fairly early adopter and it has formed a vast bulk like over like 90 percent of my dating experience so but i've generally had like a a good experience with it I, i don't know why because so many people complain about it to the point where i'm just wondering like especially online like are you are you just exaggerating are you are you just attention seeking just trying to make up uh Mm. horror stories but i don't know but i think it is yeah i think there, there are a lot of questions that come with it like the thing that i was always curious about especially when i first started using it is that especially with you know when it comes to like race and stuff is like is this gonna worsen existing discrimination and inequalities or improve them because i could see it actually improving them in the sense that by eliminating certain barriers um you you know it is like a more one-on-one connection you're not trying to you know make friends with some somebody in a social group to get to know people there and then uh, those people can kind of you know keep you out if they don't like you so you know you can just go directly to that person and try to appeal True. to them yeah um but you know as as we see in in the the west end caleb thing which i think is the culmination of I think an increasingly bad dating market for women, especially in cities like New York City, because of the the education gap, um, just the, the gender ratio in terms of numbers, and I, I think the fact that more and more, it, what what the what dating apps do is probably tends to make people all go for the same type of person because it's like, well, why not? We all have equal access to them, theoretically speaking. We no longer have to actually know them in our friend groups or whatever. So, yeah. Hopefully, I think there should be some. Look, I mean, you're not going to get rid of the apps. I mean, the apps are are here to stay, is as far as I can tell. But there, there should be something where like people are more upfront about like their goals and intentions, right? And that I think if it was a thing where we got into online dating culture where people were supposed to be very upfront and honest about what their goals were, and Caleb was lying on that front, then yeah, he's a fuck. He's breaking the rules. There should be a culture more around that where it's like, you know, ba- you know, basically like if you're a fuck boy or whatever, you should just self-declare that that's what you are and be upfront about that. I think that's fair. I think it's fair to be like, look, I, 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 I'm not really like in like looking for something serious. If it, if it pre- presents itself, that's great. But just know that I'm 25. I'm getting a lot of matches and <laughs> I'm here to have fun. And if you, and, and, you know, I'm sure like a lot of women will still be attracted to that because a lot of women probably feel the same way. And a, a lot of times, you know, the, the upside I think to a guy like Caleb is that um, he's probably very chill about stuff because he's not really worried about getting rejected or whatever, you know, he's, you know, so um, I, I think, yeah, I think people should I think there should be more upfront people putting in the thought as to what their actual goals are and putting and 
and accepting that if you're upfront about that, you're going to like lose some matches, but that's probably the system working for you, not against you. you yeah, know? no, I agree. So. But I think the issue there is that it's it's kind of the situation where like we, both parties kind of know what something's about, but as soon as you say it out loud, it just kind of kills the mood. I think that I think that's the thing um, where I think even women, when, when a guy just says out loud, um, yeah, I'm just here to, to hook up, even if she actually just wanted to hook up with him, as soon as he says that, it, it, it just like kills the the environment or atmosphere. Mm, yeah, yeah. So you, you got to yeah. like... Force some, not for everyone. That's my point. Not for yeah. everyone. Some people would really, really like that because they're they're in a similar state of mind. They're like, you know... The most, the thing that turns me off most is guys who are trying to lock it down. I, I'm actually here to have fun, you know. Like a lot of, I'm sure that it is very widespread, you know. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I yeah, I think it, I think I think people should just be more open to that. Like, if you're looking for like a like-minded match, that that necessarily means you're going to have to cut a lot of people out, and you're going to have to shrink your options. But as of now. The way the dating apps work, I think there's no reason to do anything but increase your options. Yeah, you know, you should just cast as wide as possible in net, and there's just no incentive for people at all to limit themselves. Yeah. You know? So. Uh, yeah, something I've kind of come to realize lately is, as I said, I've early adopted dating apps. Like, like you don't want to know how many uh, like first dates I've been on, and and I've all enjoyed them. I actually enjoy the process of dating. I, I think it's. One of yeah, the that's most, good that you do. I mean, it should be enjoyable. Yeah, you get to meet a lot of different people. You go to like neighborhoods that you never would have gone to, you know, based on where they live or, True, or yeah. whatever. Right. Uh, but I, I think as of later, I've reached a point where like, I kind of want to date with more um, with more direction as opposed to just being, oh, whoever likes me, um, I, I'm down. Or if I, if I find mm. them like some threshold of attractiveness, both physically and, you know, personality wise. Uh, but, you know, I, I mean, I think I want to be more... I think by now um, I I might know what I want a little bit more. I want to I want to date with a bit more purpose. So that's um, it's like last summer I, I really tried because you know the, the the summer before that we didn't have a summer really. So I actually tried like actually going out and meeting people in real life more. That was like a fun way to do things. Um, but yeah, uh, West End Caleb. I God damn it! I said it again. <laughs> West Elm Caleb. Yeah. West Elm Caleb. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. I also heard some people uh, posit that he it's actually a marketing ploy by by West Elm, and yeah. that'd um, be too fat forward thinking of them. I think that, that, that'd be very devious because yeah. it's like they they pick up on the one thing that everybody cares about, whether they admit it or not, which is dating and and what we call like fuckability politics. It is what gets everyone riled up all the time. So that that would, that would be like scary ingenious. I, I will not shop there ever if that if that's not that I ever did. Or plan to, but <laughs> so, I mean, look, look. The, the thing, as this is this is harkening back to some of our like, we're, we are so much more like level headed and 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 uh, um two sided about this than we used to be. Because <laughs> wait, well, what are you is, talking about? You know, with like this kind of topic, I think like early on in our in the podcast, in in you know, like when we were first started out, I think immediately we would have gone to you know the the studies that show how you know. Asian men have like the lowest swipe rate and there's so many Asian women who won't even swipe on Asian guys or they do swipe, but they won't, you know, they won't talk to them or like whatever it is, all the, the host of things that, um, present as, uh, obstacles for Asian men or whatever. But I think 
what am I trying to say is that, you know, I think even that thinking for me, like, and that, that stuff really pissed me off, even though it didn't really affect me. Cause I really wasn't, I've never been really affected by that. Cause I've never, I've only gone on like five online dates and then I called it and that was it for me. Right. I didn't really give a shit, but it really pissed me off. Cause it just seemed like that was so clearly this like pervasive racism that you that could, you could not spe- say its name. Like it's there. It's like in the data. It's so obvious. And it's like materially, um, you, you can sense it, you know, if you're a guy, you know, you sense there's something wrong, but, and it's clearly racial and ass in, in nature. Um, but, but it's, it's something that you can't point out. Uh, you know, I think that we would, we would definitely talk a lot about that, but I think, you know, I don't know with the dating app stuff. I feel like if you know, I mean, I know that exists out there, but on the other hand, it's like, what, what does it matter if there's, I mean, I know it does matter. I'm not saying that that shouldn't be fixed, but it's also on the other hand, like, what is your intention? Are you really trying to find someone that you like and likes you back and you have a lot of shared, you know, this and that, and you just find find one person. You're looking for one person. And and if there is this pervasive bias against Asian men, I think that's its own topic that we can talk about uh, at a sort of social level. But for the per- for the personal level, I mean, okay, you're the, the 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 universe of matches has shrunk, which kind of is not necessarily the worst thing in the world, because really, if you're honest about it, your goal is to shrink it down to one. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know if that makes sense. I'm just kind of talking out of my ass right uh, now. No, but I you, think you I know st- what you're saying. I, I think two things have helped. I, at least, yeah, I think one is the fact that it's much less taboo to talk about it makes things better. I think it is something that often is uh, just alleviated by not feeling like you have to shut up about it. Secondly, I, I do think things have gotten better for, for Asian dudes in like just hear, the last yeah. like two to three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... I mean, I think I, I think I see it. It hasn't been some like dramatic. It wasn't like it was so bad before and now it's so great. It's kind of like, you know, it, it was probably like there were like some like biases before and not, not their lesson. But I, I think I do notice that it's, it's uh, not as bad and it's, um, yeah. So I, I think it's just forward progress and just, just keep doing your thing kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, look, if there's people who are out there who just will not swipe on an Asian guy, whatever, like you have to have to sort of think about it like, okay, well then there, that person is doing their job for me. Cause I guarantee that like whatever causes that person um, to like not date an Asian person because they're Asian, it comes with a whole host of other problems that you don't want. You know what I mean? Like, like even if that person were to like suddenly have like a freaky Friday and decide, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go, I'm going to swipe right on an Asian guy just for the fuck of it. Like you haven't won in that case. Like now you are exposing yourself to someone who you probably don't want to be around. You know what I mean? Like, right. Um, and if you, so. yeah. And, and as a, it's like 2021, if you live in a fairly large town or, or, or especially like a city, it's like, there, there's so many choices out there. So many people that it's like, even if it's like, unless you you have some serious issues, I don't think. I mean, I, I've talked about this in pods before. I, I think at this time, if you're an Asian dude, like, yeah, things are gonna be hard for you, but I don't think it's it's gonna be. It's not like it was like 20 or 30 years ago or whatever. So, I think I think you could certainly be aware of it, in, in, especially in kind of a wider sense. But if you're talking about your strict personal interests, your day to day life, I don't really think it's that much of a thing to to yeah. get you down. 
Um, okay. All right. So, so moving on, we'll get to this. We're going to now talk about this Vanity Fair article, which was, oh, damn it. I had it open. Why did I close it? It was something. Um, right, I, I just want to read the title. Okay. Dave Chappelle and the Black Ass Lie That Keeps Us Down. This is written by Jamila Lemieux, who is kind of like this writer. I think she's only a writer. I don't, I don't think she's like a filmmaker or anything. Um, she's like fairly well known. It's a fairly large Twitter following. And you want to just give a gist of what this article is about? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it it is basically uh, a a sort of how do I put it? I don't want to. I, I want to be as non judgmental of the article as to begin, right? But it is. <laughs> I think it is an article that's saying that straight black men uh, present are are sort of a source of oppression in their own right to all other black people. Right. And that some of the worst oppression that black women and black LGBTQ plus people, which is I'm using the terminology within the article. Um, so black women and black LGBTQ plus basically black people minus, you know, straight cis black men that a lot of the worst uh, oppression that they face is at the hands of straight black men. And that that. In, instead of that reality being um, sort of widely recognized in, I would say, liberal culture that sees itself as sort of friendly to you know black liberation and black civil rights, uh, the big the big black ass lie is the notion that black straight black men actually suffer the most when in fact, uh, according to the article, I'm you know I'm just paraphrasing the article that. Um, it's it's actually the straight black men that is sort of the 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 sort of demon that's hiding um, behind a lot of white liberal assumptions um, that the that the straight black man is is actually quite the monster, right? And I think is yeah, that fair? That, I think that's a fair. No, that's totally fair. And mm. uh, I th- but I think the real grievance this article has is not on like yeah, but like like bl- the idea that black men suffer the most. You know, we, we all kind of collectively agree, like, for example, like Native Americans suffer the most, but we don't really think about them. I, I think what the article is truly most pissed about is that when it comes to blackness, black, this set, straight black men are the ones we actually do care about the most. They're the ones we admire, we think are cool, we think are attractive. Because it'd be one thing if they were these like shitbags and they were uh, harming their community, but for outsiders to and also admire them, I think that's what really sticks in her craw and and you just get this from uh certain passages we, uh, we can read later but you, you, you know in, in talking you know, just basically about the whole like black uh, gender wars and thing there's so many times when you see especially like black women say things like when i was growing up uh you know it was the black boys who were always the cool kids in in my high school or you know the black boys would make fun of me for being a black girl and they would only date the the white or Latina or, or Asian girls. And it's, it's very obvious, especially since similar things uh, I can, I can sympathize actually with a lot of that. Cause it does mirror a lot of experiences that like Asian American boys and guys have. And that's why to me, it, it's very obvious when reading an article like this, that uh, what is really pissing her off is that basically Americans, like non-black Americans, kind of think black guys are cooler, and 
that's why they care about them. And that's why when, uh, and she's very fixated on celebrities. And we see this with like Asian Americans too. Um, for example, when like Asian American guys fixate on Asian American female celebrities and who they're you know, dating and stuff, it's really not about the celebrities. You're, you're really trying to look for a uh, tangible, visible example of something you kind of feel and see in your personal life, but there's no like stats to really back it up. So the best you can do is point to a movie or point to a famous person and say, ah, you know, see, that person's doing that. That's an example of it. And she's really fixated on uh, these black men who hurt black women. And I think what really hurts her is that nobody comes to the rescue of black women because if I bet she's thinking if you were white or maybe any other race, like Latina, Asian or whatever, you'd have like a whole bunch of men, especially like white men who are very eager to be the white savior because they, you know, kind of want to get with these women or whatever. But for black women, nobody's coming because yeah, again, they, they favor black men over us. And that's why they can get away. That's why R. Kelly can get away with all this shit. That's why um, um, uh, Bill Cosby can get away with all that, et cetera. Ray Rice, all the all the like athletes who are abusers and stuff. But di- but that's my – when I was reading this, I was like, did they get away with it or did – are we talking about them because they actually didn't get away with it? Well, I guess uh, they got away with it for a long time, for a long time. until yeah. it got so bad. I mean for every Ray Rice, there's we – know, we know for sure. I mean we were just talking about the NFL. I mean, and we know like yes. like at least like half the – guys there are, are horrible abusers and stuff and everyone just kind of looks the other way because you know we, we admire them we think they're cool we love it when they score their touchdowns or you know make their i mean that is a stuff. problem with uh not with black athletes particular but or black celebrities but celebrities generally i mean this is true of white athletes you know it's true of it's true of a lot of like Asian male celebrities. Uh, maybe not a lot because there's just not many. But I mean, it's true <laughs> certainly of Asian celebrities in Asia. In Asia yeah. yeah, like Lee Hom Wong or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was a funny thing with me too. There was like no Asian American guys indicted because there's like no none of us. Yeah, popular enough to matter. There, well, there were, but nobody gave a shit. Uh, there was Aziz, and then there was the the Ken. What's his name? The Fujihara Ken guy. Ar- yeah, that was yeah. also um, more of an affair, I think, rather than him going around abusing women. I think he, he I think he kind of got scammed. He was, just, he was actually some... being kind of a simp. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so even that was. I think he had to resign because it was very embarrassing for the, yeah, just, for the company. But yeah, it wasn't. I think really a case of abuse uh, in the sense of like a Weinstein or a Matt Lauer thing. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'll I'll read some passages which I think are are very indicative of uh, that, that stood out to me. Okay. So this one: Black women's lives are largely colored by these lopsided loyalties. From girlhood, we see black men as our greatest hope in this world, as both fierce kings for us to serve and vulnerable princes for us to protect. As the old saying goes, many of us love our sons and raise our daughters, and we often raise them to think twice before ever dropping a dime on one, even if he's harmed us greatly. We encourage to accept the bare minimum in our romances and express gratitude to be able to love a brother at all. And somehow this is supposed to be in the service of a greater black good. You know, lopsided loyalties, um, you know, fierce kings for us to serve, uh, bare minimum in our romances. You know, as like somebody who's very familiar with kind of like Asian male gripes about um, like WMF and all that, I just get a strong sense that a lot of this has to do with uh, you know, kind of like dating woes and and things like that. I mean, when, when you read that, what, what were your thoughts? I thought that this sounded familiar in the sense this this sounded like somewhat parallel to when people talk about like Asian patriarchy and like how Asian culture is, um, you know, very patriarchal and sexist. Mm-hmm. And it's always tricky because it is in its own way. Uh, it's, it, you can't deny that there is 
patriarchy in Asian culture, just as there is in virtually every culture. Uh, and I'm not satisfied with the answer of like, you know, um, yeah, but it's no worse than, you know, American culture or white culture. I don't know if that's satisfactory, but I do sense that there is a unique, a particular like relishing of trashing Asian culture by some Asian people, (laughs) you know, to like really sort of ethnicize to almost to a competitive degree to be like, you think that you're suffering under patriarchy, try being an Asian woman, you know? And I think, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that that's what Jamila is doing and, and because I don't have those, you know, I'm, I'm not familiar with what it's like to be a black woman growing up in a black society, but, it read to me a little bit of like the Asian, the black, like the black analog to that Asian thing of, wow, like you don't know patriarchy until you've been an Asian woman growing up in an right. Asian household. Um, and, and I think her, uh, her like kind of like heartache is that if, if an Asian woman trashes Asian patriarchy, everyone goes up to her and is like, oh, you poor thing, you know, uh, you know, tell us more, um, you know, let us save you from these evil Asian men. Because they have, especially like if you're like a white dude, have an intrinsic interest in, in protecting her because uh, just generally speaking, American society sees Asian women, it places like a high romantic worth to them. Whereas with black women, I think what Jamila Lemieux is saying here is that like all this shit goes on in in black culture, just like in other cultures. But when black women complain about it, nobody cares because nobody wants us. I think that's what really hurts her. I see. So in a way, though, then 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 it's a mixture of like the worst of both Asian men and Asian women, <laughs> like from her perspective, right? Yeah. It's, it's I, like I have to live under this black patriarchy and. Uh, you know, I'm at the bottom of the uh, racial totem pole of attractiveness and desirability. Well, it's like know? we're socially relevant, irrelevant. Like it's like, mm-hmm. which I don't think is totally, which I don't think is true. I, I think black women actually occupy a far more visible and desirable position than black uh, Asian men. But I, and there are also women, which is just totally different than being a man. But I, 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 I guess I see. Yeah, there's a there's a little bit of that. You know, one of the reasons I'm I'm really fascinated by like black gender wars is I it, to me it is the closest thing to seeing a world where like straight Asian American male gripes were given kind of like carte blanche be like you can say whatever you want and and we'll we'll just like let you say it as opposed to you know trying to push push them into the, some dirty corner of Reddit and occasionally write uh, articles about them. And it is very fascinating just just to see how it uh, plays out. And sometimes I think, like, as frustrating it is to see, um, to 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 always feel like you have to, you know, especially as like a straight Asian American guy, just always having to feel like you have to fight just to be able to say stuff, and everyone's just like trying to shut you down or or dismiss it. Um, I think that does sometimes have the benefit of like kind of making you think about things before you say them because i see yeah oh uh, because i don't know I, I see like like just today i, I saw um, someone like like britney cooper who who's like a you know at least in some circles like a well-respected uh like black scholar type you know and she's like talking about 
you know, how many women uh, Martin Luther King Jr. slept with or, you know, things like that. And it just, it just reminded me of, of let's say, like, what if like Asian American guys were uh, able to freely speculate on, I don't know, na- na- let, let's just take like a famous Asian American female figure and be like, you know, how many men did she sleep with? How many times did she cheat on her and then uh, her husband and, and have that kind of open dialogue and, and have it be out i don't know it's, it's like sometimes maybe it's it's nice to have to like kind of tamp down that <laughs> i don't know yeah i mean i think that's true because like the question that i have with this article um the jamila the Mew article is like why is this in vanity fair right right because the vanity fair it's a very white magazine and it's a very mainstream magazine and i'm like why is i don't know to me this is a lot of like inside this is like a lot of like interracial talk this is like this is like black issues period you know like full stop this is like a black issue with among black people and uh which is why i'm not even really comfortable reading it and commenting on it to an extent because i'm like i'm not sure any of this is really my business and i'm just i'm just interested in it because a lot of it does parallel um you know what's what you know what what asian people in America talk about. Uh, but I, I want to be a little bit careful in drawing analogies, but it certainly does ring bells, you know? But like, why is this in Vanity Fair? Whereas like with Asian people, I thought the problem, the the reason, and you you said this is like, if you just go out and say it in the real world, like nobody finds anything that Asian guys have to say like terribly um, controversial. I mean, I've had white dudes tell me like, hey, what's up with all the Asian women and white men? They love, they love us. What the fuck? Like, so many white guys have told me that. I, right? I want to share the the Colin story later. So, um, remind me in case I forget. I, I thought that was very. Uh, I, I think I think our listeners want to hear that. Which story? The 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 Colin. Yeah, you know the thing I was oh, in. Oh, and, and oh, 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 with with Bri- Brianna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, that, that was a um, funny incident. Yeah, but like so many, like yeah, I've had like white colleagues tell me this. And like a guy that was dating an like he was dating an Asian girl at the time, and he was just like, I think she has a thing for white dudes, <laughs> you know, stuff yeah. like this. And and then I was like, oh yeah, you know, I've heard. And he, and and then he was. I remember I even had this conversation, and I was like, because I kind of gently pushed back on that, even though I didn't. This is before I even looked into any of it, because I was like, you know, I've gone in my head, like I went through all my Asian guy friends, and I was like, about half of them ended up with uh, non Asian girls, mostly white, virtually all white, basically. And um, so I was like, yeah, you know, I don't know, because like uh, my just going through the guys I'm friends with, about half of them ended up with like white women, like married to them. And he was like, oh, come on, please. Everyone knows that it's all one way. <laughs> and I was like, huh. I was like, I guess you're my right. Experience? <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, you know, you're right. The larger world like so clearly sees what we can't talk about amongst ourselves. Uh, but in the in in a sense though, like I like that we were talking about it just among Asian people. It's like honestly, I don't I don't know like what would be the white interest in this. You know what I mean? Like, what is the point of airing any of this stuff out? You know, and and watching like Celeste Eng or Aaron Mack or uh, Eric Kim like write these MR Asian stories in like you know for like a larger audience. I'm like, you're just sort of like tattling on Asian guys. Well, that's the whole point. You know, I mean, the, the like, whole reason, I mean, like there's really nothing substantive in this article. It's, it's a yeah, lot of celebrity gossip. Like half of it is celebrity gossip. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, I'll read you this passage, which is so, it's so loaded. I'm like, okay, I'll explain. 
There is this communal grief over the death of black men, but not over the rape of black women. People get so upset that they have to miss work because they read about a man they never met killed in a city they've never been to. But when it comes to crimes against black women's bodies, she says, the cognitive dissonance is astounding. Who is committing these crimes against black women? I'm guessing if it's like things like rape, it's probably black men because, you know, most rapes happen within with people, you know. So is she talking about black on black crime? Is it, like, if that's such like a. I mean, like there's such a taboo against talking about that in one way. But now here she is on Vanity Fair, essentially, I think, accusing black men of getting away with rape. And it's just it's just like you, you can't just put one paragraph of that and then talk. 10 paragraphs about Dave Chappelle, you know, he's like, so I, yeah, I think this is essentially what, uh, when we see Asian Americans uh, try to do this, especially with the gender war stuff, is try to impugn the image of the people you don't like in front of white people, just praying to their prejudices. And, uh, you know, don't, don't say anything that substantive and just just basically make it so that if, if any, if any, like, say black dude or whatever uh says something that might be a little questionable they'll think of this article and be like oh yeah jamila lemieux told me this would happen right yeah uh i think there this article was definitely using celebrity the worst of celebrity behavior um as a way to sort of like create this like wall of bad shit like oh my god ray rice oh my god bill cosby oh my god R. Kelly, this is awful. Oh my God, OJ. And then like, oh, oh, my, oh God, my God, here comes here comes <laughs> Dave Chappelle making jokes about it. And then and then there's this thing of like, well, these are all like the most popular black celebrities. So aren't they leading this very like sort of misogynistic black culture? Like aren't, you know, just actual straight black men out in the world basically just like trying to be like these guys? You know, I think there's that sort of top down view that straight black men are nothing but sort of celebrity uh, aping celebrity uh, you know, what's the term? Like um, it's like mimicking celebrity culture and and, right. Or, or I think what she's doing with this is actually the reverse saying that all this celebrity stuff is uh, basically what you see play out in day-to-day life. But uh, obviously R. Kelly is an extreme example, you know, like even okay. even like a black male abuser type is not going to go that far. But this is kind of what we see uh, scale it down to a more everyday level. And oh, the so reason- even though they're fa- even though they're famous and successful, their their straight black man is still still uh, seeps through. Like they yeah, can't, they're yeah. they're celebrity manifestations of everyday black life, and I think she uses this because she doesn't. Really, it's like it's kind of hard to quantify. Like sure, you can you can bring up stats about you know domestic abuse rates or, or rape rates, but you know that honestly that kind of like puts people to sleep. So it's easier to talk about uh, like a, like a Ray Rice or um, like a Deshaun Watson. You know, I mean he is not named here, but he's like one of the many NFL and and athletes in general who who is accused of of like rape and and things like that. I've always thought that what we think of as black culture is often defined by white gatekeepers anyway. Um, like, I mean, for like, sure, especially like this latest wave, uh, definitely yeah. more so, I think, than at any other point, except maybe like mm-hmm. back in like the 40s or whatever. No, but I think even in the 90s and stuff, like a lot of, um, and up till now, I think a lot of like, I mean, like who who made R. Kelly famous? I think ultimately all the music labels are all run by white guys anyway. Um, 
you know, like uh, the, the 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 popularity of like black celebrities is like NFL, like, you know, all that stuff. It's all run by white people. It's all owned by white people. Um, and so I think I don't know. I mean, I just in talking to, you know, our friends about it, I'm not saying that's representative of like black opinion generally or whatever. But there is, in my view, this, um, you know, I think if your culture is too defined by popular culture and celebrity culture that that can be used against you because ultimately it is white gatekeepers. And I see that with like the representation stuff, the representation stuff is like, look, I mean, ultimately, yeah, it's great that, you know, like you see more Asian faces at the Oscars, you see more Asian people on screen, but fundamentally speaking, it is all still controlled by white people. The only reason that they're doing this now is they see us as a lucrative market and they may have an agenda you know, in terms of like what they want us to think and what we're allowed to think and, you know, what we're allowed to see. So uh, I think celebrity culture is always a very dangerous route into these topics, but that's what, that's the angle she really took was, was through celebrities. I found that to be a major problem with the article. Yeah. Uh, When this article dropped, I I think it caused a big uh, firestorm, uh, at least on like black Twitter and Vita, who is one of the co-hosts of the Champion Sharks podcast, I think posted this. And it was so funny because um, I forgot who commented on it, but it it was an Asian person. It might have been Doug Kim. I'm not sure. And he was like saying, yeah, this is kind of like what like blue check Asian American feminist types do to Asian men. All these like black people are like, no way. So, like, <laughs> yeah, like, I saw that. I, like, I thought yeah. we were the only ones. And, yeah. like, <laughs> this is even why Vita I, was like, yo, seriously, this is like the third time I see an Asian person <laughs> on this app say this. Like, what, what the fuck? And, and it's mm-hmm. so useful to and, and helpful for, like, especially if you're Asian American and you think this is something that only happens to us, or if you're black and you think that's what it only happens to you, to be able to see patterns in other communities, see how they deal with it. And, and for me, Reading articles like this is very fascinating because it's essentially like a gender, a lot of it is like a gender swapped version of Asian American kind of discussions and complaints. Wait, why you think it's gender swapped? I think it's gender aligned. Well, well, let's see. Like, like I can empathize with a lot of kind of the core angst that like a Jamila Lemieux or or a lot of like kind of like black women, even like the BMAT types, like a lot of them are crazy, but I can kind of get where they're coming from. Like when they complain about... Like like in high school, um, you know, all the black boys, for example, like wouldn't date us or something. Like, mm. not that that was directly my high school experience. I mean, for one thing, I went to an all boys school, but I get where they're coming from, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, but I also sometimes then see them use the exact same tactics that you know some of the some of the worst of the you know what I call the the anti simus uh, <laughs> use to just pretty much uh, as as you said tattle on on men of color to to white or outside you know people outside their racial group and just let them use all sorts of nasty stereotypes that are pure racist like there's no debate that you know things like that are racist but using that and trying to justify saying oh you know male privilege pretty much uh if you have male privilege we get to be racist against you that's what it comes down to i see a lot of as i said like the the bmat types do that too and i'm just you know i i see a blend uh that i'm like that's bullshit that i can't uh abide by i'm glad to see pushback on this article just because like she laid down so many third rail traps here and every time and i think that the use of celebrities is um 
telling because it's something that like everyone knows. Like the second she says Chris Brown's abuse of Rihanna, it's like, okay, everyone in America knows about that. Everyone in the, in the America knows to take Rihanna's side on that. Not Chris Brown's right. Yeah. You don't defend Chris Brown. Uh, Ray, everyone saw the Ray Rice video. I mean, it was, it's a horrifying video, right? Um, everyone knows all this stuff. And so she laid down all this stuff and you know, the immediate reaction as a white or outside reader would be to be like side with her. I'm like, you're on, Rihanna's side you're like against Ray Rice you're you're like on Ray Rice's wife's side you're you know you're like how could you how could I be on the wrong side like how could she be on the wrong side of this and I think that the fact that there's a lot of um black pushback to this shows like that um you know there must be something wrong with this because you're not going to win any points by speaking up against this article in my in my view it's very hard to come in and be like in an article that's like condemning some of the worst behavior of like black celebrities um to then push back against that is really hard i think it's an uphill fight but the but the backlash was pretty intense and i think yeah at the end of the day like i think the biggest problem with this is uh like you're you're just telling white people how awful black men are. <laughs> that's like right, yeah. really what you're doing. Yeah, and that's that's the I think for most Asian American guys, that's the complaint we have about the whole like Asian patriarchy. So I was like, like I think also a lot of us probably grew up seeing that. I I know I did, and all that taught me was like, fuck this shit. Like I, I don't want to do this, and it, it pissed me off growing up. So I don't want to repeat that. But then for like opportunists often a lot of whom are essentially just covering up for their own guilt uh over their own kind of assimilationist ways try to use that to to justify whatever lifestyle choices they made that's what pisses at least me off it's like no you want to talk about community problems let's have a real talk and let's solve it amongst ourselves but if you use it to kind of tattle on us or try to justify uh, things you want to do um, that might not look good otherwise. Fuck that, you know? Yeah, when here, I think it's a little bit more complicated because, like, I don't know if this is about Jamila wanting to date white dudes. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But with that's Asians, true, yeah, that's yeah. what it's always about, yeah, right? Yeah, well, like, no. so. yeah, I think with I think with black women, it's always like, because I, I, I've seen, it is a bit more complicated with them because I think a lot of them do actually, uh, if we're talking strictly just about dating, I think a lot of them do actually end up with black men and even may prefer them. Um, so yeah, but yeah, you're right with, with Asians, it's almost always an excuse, uh, to justify often being with a white dude. Yeah. So what was this? You wanted me to remind you about this. Uh, oh, wait, wait, before we get to that, I do want to read one last, uh, which this one I thought is astounding. I've screenshotted this. I'm going to use this as a ace in my sleeve, uh, at some point. But okay, so this is during an impromptu chat recently, author and columnist Damon Young mused about Chappelle's embrace of his own hype, pointing out that he wasn't some soothsayer, truth teller comedian for most of his career, and that he's popular with white people before black folks fell in love with him, making his transformation into Big Brother Almighty somewhat remarkable. He's a suburban kid who lives with his Asian wife and his biracial children on a farm surrounded by white folks, but we've made him into Mufasa or Morpheus. That's not to say he can't be that figure, but he's not going to. He's not doing the work necessary if more than half the population of N-word ain't even N-words to him in the first place. And I thought that was astounding because he is essentially saying, if you're, if you're, well, at least if you're a black man and you don't have a black wife, you're not, 
you got you're kind of like starting in the red you got to prove your blackness so i guess race of your partner does matter um at least when it comes and so it's like this is this is going to be the hypocrisy right well if you're a man of color yeah it matters but if you're a woman of color you're escaping your patriarchy and you can do whatever you want which goes back to that tweet um that i referenced all the way back in the west elm caleb thing where you know modern day self-care social justice kind of thing is often just about i get to be shitty for reasons xyz and you don't get to be uh and this is this is why it's righteous i'm, I'm pretty shocked that he wrote that yeah, I, I think it was. I don't. I think. He, I mean, this is the fascinating thing again with um with like black gender wars compared to Asian gender wars. Like all the same, and this will lead into to my Colin story. All the rules are reversed because I, I bet in in like the circles this Damon Young guy runs in. I bet that's totally normal to say that to be like, um, yeah. If you if you want to be like true black, you gotta you gotta marry black. But that's because it's protecting the interests of black women to do that. With, right, whereas right, with right, Asian right, Americans, right, you can't right. say that because it protects the interests of Asian American women to say the exact opposite. Because like who quote unquote wins in the uh, white partner imbalance thing? Yeah, this is this is definitely like aimed at um, like he's using this. He's he's aiming this at uh, specifically at the sensitivities of like black women. Uh, against the you know the black guy who's like yeah I don't really date these dark skinned girls or whatever I you know but like he but in saying that he's drawn like a more general principle that like if you're dating if you if you don't have if you're not dating in race or you're not married in in race then you're you shouldn't be seen you should be seen as less than you should be seen as less black or less ethnic or at the very uh, least you have more work to do to prove to kind of make up for that right. Right. And, and that general, that general proposition, you're right. It runs so afoul of like how Asian people talk about it. Or allowed to talk about it. Or allowed to talk about it because it, it, it basically runs the other way with us. Right. Right. Because then he would be talking about women in this yeah. way. And but I'm sure, he, I'm sure if you pushed him on it, he would be like, oh, it's different when you're talking about women or whatever. He, like he'd make up some bullshit thing. But as far as I can tell from this passage... You know, I'm like, would you say that about Asian women? Or would you, I mean, in fact, would you even say that about black women? Like, would you say that Serena Williams is like less black? Right. Did you tweet it at him? Did he yeah. ever respond? No. I bet no. 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 But like, you know, you, you, would you say that about Serena? Cause she has a white husband or Meghan Markle for the guy, you know, for, for that sake, you know, she married the fucking prince. Like, would you say she's less black for that? I mean, I'm sure he might think it, but I really doubt he might, he'd say it. Okay. All right. That's a perfect transition into the little story after that. Cause that, that was the exact issue that came up in the Colin episode. So a little background information, uh, Champagne Sharks, our friends over there, invited me onto an episode. It, it was supposed to talk about whether woke art could ever be good. So I was one of the guests, So and, and Trevor was the host, along with Q, formerly known as Andre Domis. And then um, we had Leslie III from Struggle Session Podcast. Michael R. Jackson, the playwright from A Strange Loop, joined us for a little bit. And then Brianna Joy Gray, I keep I, I keep wanting to say Brianna or Taylor Joy or whatever the actress Anya oh, yeah, Taylor Joy. It's yeah. just it's just messing with my mind right now, but she was on. So yeah, almost two hours we're talking just about like wokeness and art and all that. And then Trevor, and and you can all listen to this. We'll we'll uh, let's, uh, link it in the in the show notes. It starts at like the minute forty eight. Uh, I mean one hour forty eight minute mark around. We're talking about the show Love Life too, which is all about this straight black dude and just how he deals with 
uh, relationships, including it's it's basically about kind of this like creative class black guy who who's married to a white woman. It's a type of black guy who doesn't really date black women until he finds falls in love with one, and it's it's like him kind of rediscovering his blackness through that way. So we we're talking about the show, and then uh, Trevor says something like, um, "He he he liked the show, so he was saying the show was able to be more critical of the black guy and his relationships with non-black women because he was a guy. And if he were a black woman, the show wouldn't be able to be as critical because she was a black woman." And then uh, Brianna started talking about how, well, that's because um, black women are in interracial relationships far less often than black men. And then that's uh, got into a very heated, very friendly, but very heated discussion between um, Trevor Q and her. And and the whole time I was like, like, I I was, I did not know we'd end up talking about this. So I I was just like, and they were going at it. So, you know, I was like, just, you know, I was a guest, it was their show and it's like a black audience and and, uh, mostly a black issue. So, you know, I didn't want to intrude too much, but I just sit there just like, holding in my laughter just because what Brianna was saying sounded exactly like what Asian guys, even like Asian identity type of guys would say, you know, on, on there's a spectrum of acceptable interracial relationships with like WMAF being the most acceptable, least acceptable, probably being something like Asian man, black woman, or definitely the least common. Everything's in the middle on a gradient. And depending on whichever side of the most accepted you are, standards are different, you know, in terms of scrutiny and all that. And it was just, it was just really funny. At, at one point, she was really trying to get me to take her side, being like, "Chris, you know, I know you go through the same thing. You're an Asian dude." And she was, um, she even told me the story about an Asian female friend she has, and sometimes she would take her phone and just swipe on guys. And she, she said, like, "I see some Asian male dimes there, you know, like these like six foot tall doctors, and I match with them for her, but she never talks to them." And it just got me thinking. Every as we talked about, everybody knows this, and this is. Uh, Brianna Joy Gray, former press secretary for Bernie <laughs> yeah, exactly. fucking Sanders. She's not some. <laughs> she used to date like, an Asian guy, right? Didn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your, she yeah. said her one uh, non-black boyfriend was a Chinese American dude. So you know, she obviously has like personal experience with this. And I said she's not some like crank poster on like Lipstick Alley or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like this, this is a very yeah. so. So then that got me thinking, especially um, I think. Something I've noticed since like fall of last year is it is attempt by the, the whole like blue check crowd to revive the whole. Asian American gender wars, dating, white partner discourse thing, when I really do think it's kind of gotten boring and losing steam. There's nothing more to be said at this point. Um, and I, w- I have to wonder, if they are in these environments where you know, somebody like a Brian Joy Gray has these thoughts that are very much in line and w- would be actually quite sympathetic to a typical straight Asian American male point of view, I wonder how anxious must they be like 24-7? Like, Who's they in this case? Like like the the Asian American female blue check types, if they are in these circles and they they kind of think everybody knows what's up, and I wonder if that's why they always have to keep hunting for the the Mister Asians, you know, like well, definitely a real look, group. I mean, but- look, look, look. If that's the concern, you know, stop writing short stories called rich white guys. Oh God. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just don't make it so fucking obvious these days. I feel like it's almost gotten too obvious. Like, there was there was this um, there was this article. What was it? Was I? Oh, it was the that Frank Chin thing from like ninety one. 
you know, the the article that everyone reads, the the one. Oh, come all the, ye Asian American writers of the real and fake. Yes. Okay. And there was an excerpt, and it was like from like like Vogue magazine or something like that in 1978, where they were interviewing like. Um, you know, like Chinese American women in in New York City or something, and they were. Mm-hmm. I remember they were like, "Look, we're looking for something a little bit more exciting, a little bit more dynamic. You know, guys that are a little bit more, you know, daring." And you know, in a word, what we're saying is we're looking for Caucasians, right? right. And I was Wait, like, is, is she explicitly a- said that?" Yeah. Oh, okay. And and it was a, it was a quote in a magazine. Whether she said it or the magazine put it in, I don't know. But the point is, when I read that, I was like. That's crazy. I mean, these days, no one would actually go say that. You know, like you would hide it. You know, like you don't. He's like, mm-hmm. what I really want is a white man. Like, no one says that. Um, but now I'm like, wait, they're saying it again. They're fucking saying it well, again. That, like, why that are they saying thing. it? That is, it is their central obsession. And that is, I've said this many times on the pod, that is one of the key things I've learned. They like, can't stop talking about plan, plan A. I think, well, if we're going to, you know, uh, we're going to, if you want to talk about lies, I think. The, one of the big Asian American lies is that it's Asian dudes who are obsessed with this topic. I think most of us are only reacting to their obsession. I'd agree with that. Uh, if you, if I've done, you know, I, I've read. I mean, a there lot are of Asian guys that are obsessed with white women. I mean, that is true. But it's a, it's a. I, no, no, I, I mean, it, uh-huh. no, I meant Asian guys are obsessed with the topic of WMA. No, 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 I know, but no. I'm saying like the the real inverse would be like Asian men who are obsessed with white women, and that that certainly I, I, is a thing, but. Not I don't think as, there's a lot of us who. who yeah, do. I, I don't think it's as I, big a topic. For whatever reason, I think a lot of us certainly find them attractive. But we find like a lot of you know we find black women attractive, Latino women attractive, Indian women attractive. Yeah, yeah and it's usually kind of like, I it usually most typically though not always but most typically I would think the Asian guys I know tend to have a much stronger preference for Asian women. Right, I agree with I, that. Whether that's like learned over time because Asian. American women are the most receptive to us, or it's like something we intrinsically hold from birth. I think that's that's up for debate, but certainly, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I don't think we're as obsessed, not nearly obsessed with white women as a lot of Asian American are. Like with getting out of the Asian men. woman ghetto, like that's not something that a lot of Asian dudes worry about. Like, man, it's so embarrassing to just be surrounded by all these Asian women like that. Like, no one, talk, no one really thinks that, right? And <laughs> as, as I said, uh, I've I've read a lot of. You know, Asian American literature by women, articles mm-hmm. they write, they are at least the ones who get published. I will make that distinction. I know mm-hmm. that that is not the most representative group, but the ones who are getting published are so obsessed with this thing. That's why they can't stop talking about it, even though they know it's highly embarrassing, even though they know it, it might be giving them like side eyes from, you know, like non-Asian women even, uh, or even, hell, other Asian women. They just cannot stop talking about it. They base, mm-hmm. I think, their entire, I think it's like an ideology to them. I think their their entire sense of politics is derived from, I think, this kind of story they've invented in their lives where the the, the, like the future of Asian America is essentially the, the Asian American woman assimilating mainly through uh, personal relationships with the rest of America. It starts with white men and then it kind of branches on for there. And then um, essentially uh, her destiny is, is to rise above the Asian American social ghetto. And that's why they always write about it. That's why... Um, they can't stop talking about it. I, and I think that's why they keep trying to have this fight again and again, even though they claim they don't want to talk about it, but they got nothing else to talk about because that's all they think about. Yeah, I remember, I mean, bringing this back, I know we're rounding out the, uh, we're past the hour, but like rounding, rounding, wrapping it, rounding this back to the uh, West Elm Caleb thing. 
I mean, it kind of reminded me of when I first moved to New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, you know, I had like some existing friends in New York from college and whatever. And so, I'd, you know, and it was mostly Asian. And then um, I started hanging out with uh, these, uh, a couple Korean girls that were friends of friends and stuff. And, you know, I mean, it was all just hanging out and just we were all like a big group of friends. But then I met sort of like a wider group of their Korean girlfriends from like back from California. And it was like, they were very attractive women and they were like um, sort of, I don't know at that age, cause th- I was still in my early twenties and I was like at that age, like I felt like Asian women were like, a, they, they definitely were like ahead of Asian guys in, in terms of like social development. Well, like they were, they well, were more sophisticated. Was this? Uh, 2000, probably like 2004. You know, something like that. I'll, I'll tell you my little theory after this. Um, sure. Um, but they were, I remember like we were at brunch or something and then one of the girls came and then she was like, oh, she was telling us about a date that she went on. And, and she said something along the lines of like, you know, he checked, he checked off all the boxes, right? Like he's, um, he's a trader at Goldman Sachs. He has the loft. He has this, but I just don't like, it was just a very like, I want to bring a lot of attention to like this date I had with like a high value guy and all that stuff. And then later it turns out like all of them were like exclusively dating uh, white dudes, right? right? Like all of them, like all seven of them or whatever, right? right. Were exclu- and it was almost competitive. They were like competing with each other to say like not only was – I mean white was like what – it was like the threshold thing, but like, you know, not just any white guy. Like it had to be like, he had to have, he had to live in a loft. I don't know why that was so important back then, but it was, <laughs> he had to do this. You know? And, um, you know, it made me think about like my sister who, uh, herself has like always pretty, yeah, she's pretty much only dated like Asian dudes. Uh, she's married to a Asian, uh, to a Chinese American. And, um, but she had a friend and I was telling you about this friend, but I remember she used to give my sister a lot of shit uh, for having married her husband because she was like, oh, you just decided to do that nice Chinese boy thing, huh? Mm-hmm. And I started making me think like that it's like almost competitive. Like, you know, like we talk a lot about how like this is social climbing within the larger world. Like, you know what I mean? Like Asian girl goes to like Ivy League or, you know, some elite school and is suddenly like overwhelmed by uh the you know the the scale of like you know white class ascension and oh i better get to it but part of it also from my experience was sort of competition among asian women to be like oh god you know if you end up with like a nice chinese boy you know what kind of girl you are you're like the nice but rather dumb homely girl and you know like if you if you really are your own woman and you were like you know escaped being like a you know like a daddy's little girl or whatever you know pathetic thing you are then you would have you know you would have like ditched the nice chinese boys and see that there's a much bigger world than just those guys that there was this sort of like competition among them to not to to sort of date out right and i think a lot a lot of it was always about that i mean you you get some who just pretty much leave and and just totally assimilate into into like a white circle i think it's better actually if those types um just kind of join like white circles or whatever. I, I think when Asian American guys, certainly myself, the thing that pisses me off is when they do that, but then try to make it as if that is actually part of Asian American culture, that 
Asian American culture is going to consist of Asian women and white men. And, and we Asian men are peripheral to our own community. And that is, I think, what pisses off a lot of Asian American guys. Like if, if you're going to go and go outside and, and, you know, join the proverbial white country club, I mean, that's like, that's your choice. And hell, maybe even um, bon voyage in a, in a sincere way. Like, uh, but if you try to basically kick us out of our own home, often the only home, like kind of like social home we feel we have in this country, that is, I think, the real just fucked up thing. Yeah. I, I am pointing out that like, yeah, it, it was that there was a sort of like um, competition among Asian women who were like friends, like from, you know, like from hometown friends or whatever, that they, it was a competition between them. Like Asian guys were not part of that competition, right? They were They were comparing themselves to other Asian women. And part of that had to do with like, what can you achieve in this society? You know, and that's why I was bringing up Caleb because it's like, it's, it's not just guys. It was like, you know, what's your, like, what school did you go to? Um, how, you know, how, how attractive are you generally? Like, um, you know, all this stuff, like, um, what's, what school do you go? Did you, you, did you end up at? And part of that is also, um, the dating, the, the competition in dating in terms of like how, how, uh, social like how what kind of guy did you land and that's why i think that caleb is 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 uh relevant here because caleb to me is is representative of it's not that you actually like like caleb obviously these women seem to hate him but they keep swiping on him because i think he has this this there's a type that becomes the benchmark and it, it almost seems to me that there was um in a, a certain kind of social competition to see, could I get that guy? Yeah, you know, for sure. and it, but it was more to show other women that I could do it. Right. right. Uh, and, and a lot of times it was to show other Asian women that I could do it. Wait, wait, uh, okay. Uh, I thought first you're talking about the, not, not the me, Caleb but I like in the guy, you know, yeah. Like, but you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, we that, all, everybody, whether you're straight, male, uh, female, gay or whatever you are always like your partner is a reflection of you and what you're what you like and often kind of where your social standing is it's it's not like pua talk to just be real about that uh and yeah i i was going to tell you my, my little theory I, I was like i bet that was kind of like the 2000s because i think anytime that was earlier than that i think asian american women would have been a little too still like shall we say, like like an acquired taste. And I think we're more nowadays, I think the playing field's a little more, uh, there's more parity between Asian American men and women. But I think like the 2000s, and, and this sucks because I, I pretty much came of age in the 2000s. I think that is when like the Asian American female stock soared while the Asian American male stock was just like, eh, you know. I think the biggest gap. <laughs> yeah. They happened. went meme stock and like, right, 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 Asian yeah. guys were like undervalued, like blue chips that, pay dividends but no one give a shit and the price just like languished <laughs> yeah which is why i you know I, I always say the the most insufferable asians uh especially with like the gender discourse are always unfortunately in your generational cohort the young gen x oh we're the worst and older oh, millennials. i fully own that it's we're yeah, fucking and older millennials like anybody yeah. kind of in their late 30s early 40s probably yes. 
are the most insufferable when it comes to this. And I take a little totally bit agree. of uh, some pleasure in, in that. I, I, Philip is, is our, our, our TikTok maven in our group, which is not saying much because, you know, he, it's not like he has a very active account. But, you know, he'll sometimes send me these things of these like 22-year-old Asians, especially guys. I saw one video recently of him. He was like saying, like, I think he's like some aspiring rapper. But he's like, gentlemen, uh, to Asian dudes, like, like the golden age of Asian American male fetishization is upon us. And he was giving them all these tips <laughs> on how to have, he called it the, the Anyang Haseo hairstyle, which I guess is <laughs> Like, this is, yeah. this is funny. This is, mm-hmm. this is better than, and then, and then it, like, you know, in the last week, there was some, there was a stupid article published in Jezebel, which took the whole like Sunusa Lee thing and basically used that as a, as a front to, uh, turn it all once again <laughs> yeah. into their favorite topic. Their favorite topic, not ours. Yeah. It's always East Asian people writing this stuff, right? Who are, on the other hand, so quick to be like, we don't like East Asians are like try to monolithically flatten what it means to be Asian, and we like don't highlight, you know, like Hmong and other marginalized community, and then suddenly they're just like totally speaking on her behalf and writing. Yeah, you okay, know. yeah. I mean, I, I don't get into like too much of that, but. They took an issue, which is ostensibly about an Asian woman and a, and a black guy. And in I think in Sunisa Lee's original complaint, she was saying specifically about the Hmong community. And there's like a whole very complicated history there because exactly uh, like the you know there I think there is a lot of tensions and violence between yes. Hmong and black people in Minnesota or wherever. Is that where most Hmong live? Is it Minnesota? Hmong, yeah, Hmong, I think, are mostly in like mil, like in, in Wisconsin and Minnesota. Right. And mm-hmm. that's a very specific and I think very yeah. interesting issue that deserves to be looked at. But then, of course, this writer takes it and makes it all about WMAF. That's, 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 like, what, that's what I'm talking about. This is yeah. a very like you, this is exactly what you shouldn't do. Yeah. Is like, you know, and, and they always do this. And, and uh, if it fits their narrative, then they will totally use um, – someone from like a like a Hmong American and start using that as a backdoor into their own fucking yeah we saw with the uh, Totao you know uh, it went from uh, you know we East Asians need to uh, make way and let the the Southeast Asians speak for themselves and then that happens and all these East Asians like well you know we we disown him like we have nothing to do with him this is an example of how Asian men are complicit with white supremacy and you know all that bullshit blah 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 it's it's like shut the fuck up you have nothing interesting to say (laughs) just shut the fuck up please yeah well you know it turns out no one's really giving like one big thing that I've learned is like look. They've written so many of these like tattletale articles, like the Asian version of this Dave Chappelle, of this Jamila Lemieux article. The difference is like, I don't know how big of a thing this is going to be, this article. I mean, I don't know if a lot of white people are reading between the lines and being like, oh, this gives me now permission to like, you know, uh, shit on straight black men and, you know, whatever. But I know for sure that like the Asian articles the the Aaron Max and the Celeste Ang articles etc have like zero cultural resonance with anybody like nobody gives like even asian people like even like the asian reddit barely paid attention to it um jck wrote a whole article uh chapter in his book i don't think anyone gave a shit about it no one's really <laughs> interested in this topic nobody cares it's it's not generate you could tattle all you want but like you know the recess uh the recess monitor is like okay i don't care yeah. I mean the thing yeah. is people have eyes and ears. They mm. they know what's going on. I mean that's why I brought in that Colin story. That that just reminded right. me that um 
you know, all this like Twitter stuff is you're only really at, at the end preaching to the converted. Yeah. Um, and it, it's really not going anywhere. So just, just go do your own thing. Um, there, there's no need to care too much about these like hit pieces. Look, man, meme stonks are crashing. Bitcoin's crashing. All these fucking bubbles are bursting. We're back to like, uh, you know, we're heading back to a more value oriented age, you know, and hype is going to take a backseat to value. And I think, um, you know, that's good. I think there a lot of this, so much of the the culture and dating politics and fuckability politics has to do with your ability to hype yourself and um, to sort of manage optics and and stuff like that. Uh, and that's just really damaging because, you know, at the end of the day, what are people looking for? They're looking for connections and relationships it's with usually with one person. Um, and so hyping yourself to as wide an audience as possible to me is something very counterproductive if that's your goal. But that's the go- that's what you do in this sort of hype attention-based economy. Um, and, and, and hopefully we still see some of this bullshit crashing down a little bit and, you know, people can pay more attention to like just being good people. Yeah. You know, like say, so. say you're on social media, you got like whatever standard is for, you know, whatever, like a significant number of followers are. If your account got deleted the next day, 99% of them would not give a damn. They probably would not even notice. So, you know, go out there, meet actual people. Like if you want to dispel stereotypes or whatever, often the best way to do it, at least. In, in your control is, is to just go out and, you know, meet people and yeah. let them see what people like you are about. Easier. And- I mean, easier in some environments than others. And I, for and sure. I get that, you know, for the longest time, like we've been in this ultra hyped um, environment, but that is going to go away, I think. Uh, and we're starting to see it. I think there's a, there's going to be huge backlash to the culture that has come up around dating apps and the culture that has come up around, um, you know, just like very pointed, uh, you know, generalizations about, you know, straight Asian male, this straight black male, this, uh, you know, whatever, uh, you know, I get the frustration because it's just like, there's just so many lies being said about people, you know, mm-hmm. and they're, they're not even really lies. It's like they're, but, but generalizations that just are not fair. Like but at that, best, very one-sided stories. Very one-sided. Yeah. And it just, it, it, really does kill and i get that i get this frustration is that it does flatten people um it does make it hard for people to to quote see you to to get to know you um but 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 when we say it now when we hear it it's more like i want the audience to see me i want like the world to see me but why do you care about that right like you're looking to make a connection with someone uh, you only need that one person to quote see you or you only need your your friends which are usually a very small circle of people to see you. Um, you need your family to see you. You don't, you know, who cares about the audience. Um, and so, yeah, I, I get the, that's so, that's super frustrating to feel that, uh, you know, others are just sort of like characterizing you based on your sec, your sexual orientation and your race. And that's it. And that's what this fucking article was. You know, mm-hmm. just like straight black men, this period. And right. I'm like, how, you know, how are you as a, as a, as a black person, you know, period or anyone. I mean, even me as an Asian guy reading this, it's kind of fucking upsetting to see. Cause I'm like, this is the way we're going to go. We're just going to just, just openly 
say, you know, this part, this huge intersectional group or whatever is collectively guilty of, you know, crime committed by one is crime committed by all, et cetera. And it just kills, I don't know. It, it just makes it seem like, man, fuck it. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter what I think because I've already been characterized. <laughs> so I might mm-hmm. as well just, you know, <laughs> go along right. with it or, you know, why try? You know, I don't mm-hmm. know. Super fucking frustrating. Yeah, well said. All right. Uh, always a pleasure doing these one-on-one pods yeah, uh, with you when it happens. Uh, listeners, hope you enjoyed that. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, goodbye, everyone. See y'all. <laughs>